meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. I'm Dave Etler. It's been a busy week for all of us, I'm sure. As for me, I am currently busier than a knee without a patella. (laughs) Does that make a Aline's like... Pity laugh. Pity laugh. What is what is the opposite try- of laughing? Like just well, kind of floundering around. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of all of these medical things that might, you know, mean busy, busier than an X without an X. Sounds more dysfunctional. Than yeah. Anything. Well, I mean, that's kind of it's kind of that's part of it. <laughs> I, I think human without bones. All right, that's pretty busy. <laughs> I was like, first I was like fetus without an umbilicus, and I was like, oh, somebody might get upset about that. I don't know why. Anyway, but now you're saying it anyway. But now I'm saying it. Anyway. <laughs> My, uh, I have no clever introduction written today, no witty words to begin the show, which is just as well, because this isn't about me, is it? Which is just as... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man, you're going to... Which just... Which... <laughs> Wichita. Which is just as well, because this isn't about me, it's about today's host, hosts, Aline Sanduk. Hello. Corbin Weaver. My friend. John Pienta. Hello. And Amy Young. Hi. Glad to be back. You have such a cute voice. So today, we have a listener question to address. Uh, Hi, Dave and gang. And I didn't get a chance to run it through my usual text-to-speech thing. I I apologize. It's okay. You can read the comment. You should do it. You should do it in that voice. No. Hi, Dave and gang. Your podcast strikes a great balance between being educational and, and entertaining, and I was hooked immediately. You guys have been keeping me company on my commutes and travels for weeks now. Keep on podcasting. Thank you, Polyus. This Thank is from, you. This is from Polyus. I forgot to mention. Uh, he goes on to say, The most recent episode about curbing bad habits made me wonder what kind of reverse Pavlock approaches you might all use to succeed in medical school and beyond. I know you sprinkle all sorts of wisdom and brain hacks throughout your shows. <laughs> that's it's <laughs> very generous uh, but I'd love to hear a more focused discussion on developing and thriving with the help of good habits and whatever reinforcement systems uh, they come with thanks for reading this cheers Polyus thanks Polyus appreciate your uh, feedback and your question love questions what do you guys uh, think do you, do you guys uh, reward yourself I think he's talking about uh, reward versus punishment uh, Pavlock, this is a, refers to an episode we did a couple of weeks ago featuring the uh, Pavlock shocking wear on your wrist device, shock yourself for bad behavior thingy. Mm. Um, so where he's, he wants to know about rewarding yourself for good behavior. I do maintain um, like some mindfulness apps on my phone that I use pretty like every day pretty much mm. to kind of keep me on an even keel. So one of the apps that allows you to do like a a short break during the day and it can like even ding on your phone and you can just like do a quick like like mindfulness breath um, at any time during the day and no one really knows you're using it. I also have that one's called Mindful. We also have like a um, an app called the Guided Mind and it has guided imagery and I listen to that at night when I go to bed. So I play it and then I like go to sleep to that. And um, I want to know about I want to know more about that. What's the name of that app? The Guided Mind. The gu- okay, the Guided yeah, Mind. Yeah, and so there's different people that do guided imagery and I pick the people that I like and 
that you can buy additional like lectures or tapes or whatever you want to call them but i just use the free ones okay. um and they're anywhere between like 20 to a few minutes okay i think i would um say i don't know if there's anything i do that's like if i do this i get to do this because usually that's like i would get to eat 10 sour gummy worms, which isn't always great for, you know, your health. But I think the best thing to do is actually just like kind of as an extension of what Amy was saying, like take some time for yourself mm -hmm. throughout the day and allowing yourself that time because then you'll have like more stamina and go back and do what you need to do. And I find that if I say, oh, I'll take a run at 7 p.m., you know, it makes it easier to like have a lead at the end of the tunnel of the day. And also I feel like, um, you know, you, you have so much self-control and then at a certain point you're just like oh I gotta go do something so mm -hmm. it's helpful yeah I think it's important to stay committed to like something you enjoy doing you're not gonna necessarily be able to have the same lifestyle as you did before medical training but you know like for me I go to group fitness classes once a week and that is something I really enjoy doing for one of my friends she did photography throughout her medical training um, you know, for different people have different activities, but at least maintain like one outlet that's not like study related that you really enjoy doing. So I do a couple of things um, kind of along the, the vein of what Amy was saying, um, maintain some hobbies. So I, I'm, I make uh, bonsai trees. Uh, you know, little miniature trees. Oh, I saw you, you posted one on Facebook the other day, right? Yes. Yeah. I have quite a collection now, probably about <laughs> 30 trees or so among... That's like a long-term commitment there, you know, you're... You have uh, to keep them alive, or do, are they high maintenance? No, it's not too bad, but I mean, I, I've, I've got my own strategies for it. You know, you just have to sort of pick things cleverly, but... Think of all the people in this room. If somebody... If, if you were to say... Dave, which of the people in this room does bonsai? I would definitely say John. <laughs> I would say not me and not Corbin. I don't know. <laughs> so I think I would get to a point if it were, you know, like me and I was doing bonsai, I would get to a point where I'd be like, F this noise. Uh <laughs> I like it. I like that. <laughs> All right. That sounds fantastic. We, we need to save that clip of that sound and you need to use that. I'm going to make that my ringtone. As a sound effect. <laughs> You can buy that. I'll, I'll start on selling the, that. As a ringtone on ringtone. the App Store. Put it on iTunes. You can do it. You can put it for sale. That's that's a real thing, guys. Consider we'll link it, it in the show. Oh, sweet. What do you do, Aline? I Or what go, are your suggestions, I guess? Yes. No, that's a great question. I go to Joanne Fabrics, and I buy a $3 paint-by-numbers kit. Oh, oh nice. Uh, you know, I have always wanted to be more artistic, but of course, I'm awful at it. So I need to be told how to do it like a five-year-old <laughs> and awesome. to follow the numbers. You know what you could, you know what you could. YouTube. I was going to say, you know what you could awesome look into. This. That's really? exactly what I was going to say. You know, when we do the, um, the art club things, usually it's because either me or, or Aditi, who helps me run the, who helps me do the yeah. art club, one of us has gone to YouTube and says, hey, that looks cool. We're going to fail at that. And so, <laughs> so, so that's how we that's how we how we do that. YouTube is like yeah. a mine of actually like amazing you, little weird if, art things. If you watch YouTube videos, especially with watercolor, like watercolor, I think in and of itself is a very challenging media because it you know it it basically it bleeds and the colors blend. So it has sort of like all of the difficult things that all of the me like painting media combined mm. have. 
but if you watch people who like know what how to sort of set it up they there are a couple of really creative things that you can do to your canvas to make very impressive looking watercolor with very little effort but what's hmm. nice about um the paint by numbers idea i'm thinking is that you can tell me if i'm wrong is that you can and maybe this is true of art in general actually now that i think about it but you can just sort of let your mind go yeah, I mean, it's exactly. a form of, like, active meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, like, caring for bonsai, I think, like, I think that a lot of what we're saying is, like, kind of going back to, like, just active, like, meditation. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I think anything that takes you out of your, pulls you out of your mind and puts you in the present is mm-hmm. what's really going to be Or helpful. focuses your mind on the present, yeah. I yeah. would say. Before we move on from YouTube, I wanted to mention something. So you mentioned painting. It's peripherally related, but I actually have been finding these very um, relaxing uh, makeup tutorial videos. <laughs> uh, That's cool. I mean, it's an art just form. just want to spend a lot of money on like stuff yeah. I will never put on my face. Yeah. Because I don't hardly put anything on my face anyway. I don't know why, I but I I just enjoy watching women do their makeup because it's incredible what they yeah. can do. You know what's yeah. funny is I got sucked into one of these uh, And all just... the contouring nowadays. It's well, crazy. That didn't was... exist when I was a teenager. This one was very simple. <laughs> it popped up in my Facebook feed actually this morning. So it's interesting that you bring this up right now. Um, it was a woman, she drew on her face with Sharpie and then she covered it up with this magical foundation and it disappeared. And for some reason, I watched this whole damn video. <laughs> it's mesmerizing. And was like, like from one end to the other. And I suppose it didn't, it, it didn't hurt that this woman was beautiful and you know, all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it was really all about the Sharpie disappearing. Yeah. yeah. There was something about that that I found mesmerizing. I also think watching someone do something well is pretty yeah, yeah. like pretty captivating. You know whatever it's they're true. doing even if it's not something you really have an interest in, it's like, wow, you can appreciate the talent someone has and like It's been a while since it. I mentioned this on the show, but uh meant like maybe a couple of years, but one channel that I really like watching on YouTube is called I think it's called Primitive Primitive Technology or something like that. I'll put a link in the Showed in the description at theshortcode.com. So it's this guy in the woods, I think in New Zealand or something like that, and he's like building structures from mud and sticks. Oh yeah, and he's making fires and making like <laughs> he's ma- he's making like slate roofs out of so like this... mud and trees and like and and he's just wandering around doing it. He doesn't talk, <laughs> which is awesome because a lot of YouTube videos are like really over talky. <laughs> There, one of my favorite that's actually one of my favorite genres and it definitely goes with what Corbin said like watching someone do something excellently is a lot of fun there's a guy uh, so the whole genre is called bushcraft mm. oh and this is this I didn't is know there like was a, a genre I thought this yeah was this like... is a this is like a sort of a subgenre like prim- <laughs> primitive bushcraft like he does it all with like flint napping and stuff like that but this guy yeah, there's no trips to home depot involved yeah so it's cool to watch people with like modern tech though like wandering out like into the wilderness and i mean by modern tech i mean like steel and and like ferrocerium rods yeah. like the the striker rod you can start yeah. a fire with with a knife right. um and like go and start a fire in the rain and or like take a piece of birch bark and make a cup Right. you can drink out of like wow I feel like I know something now the other thing it hardly ever occurs to me the irony of watching this guy build a hut from mud while watching on my Wi-Fi enabled iPhone 6s plus <laughs> from your concrete from my, house from my house 
<laughs> anyway, it's just a, a way. It's, it's yet another so way. To of- try to bring it back to medicine, though, like watching somebody do something well, that's kind of one of the reasons I enjoy the OR so much is like mm. seeing these staff physicians oh. who are really good at a certain procedure do something beautifully that is really intricate and complicated that I know would like you know oh, it's and a they, form of they, artistry they make it look so easy you know and then you're closing on the patient and they hand you a needle driver and forceps and you're you know, all clunky and you just look like you're just like I, I could have sworn my hands weren't this stupid five minutes ago. It's like in my head, I know how to do it. I actually watched a last year OB gyne resident um, close skin, close skin better than I've ever seen anyone do it. And mm-hmm. I was just like totally mesmerized mm-hmm. by it. And I was like, eat your heart out, all you surgery residency residents. The OB gyne did it be- the best that I've ever seen. They they do Her the skin most looked operating. perfect. Yeah. They asked me if I wanted to close a, a C-section case, and I I was like. I can't. It, it needs to be beautiful. Like she's gonna see this. I probably uh, should have just that, done it. That that was that was nice of you. I think. Well, I except think it's, it's super low, so you know they don't ever really the, look at it. I would no. I would care. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The um. So to go back to the original thing, there were there were two things I wanted to say. Was one was the bonsai. And I'm then sorry. The other, I, no, no, no. <laughs> that's off track. That's what this the sh- is. This is the beauty of bonsai. The show. Right. This podcast is about bonsai. <laughs> we could make it about that, but you guys, I mean, I love to hear myself talk. Really? I don't think I could do <laughs> the. I don't think I could do the bonsai, but I would like a President Obama chia pet. Okay. <laughs> is that a thing? That's a thing. You could. Do, we could do that. Yeah. Go That's, on. Go, go on, John. So I I noticed that there was this kind of trend, like. You know, things like the Fitbits and all of these things. They're like kind of trying to, you know, they give you achievements for doing things. And that Hmm. there's this sort of weird, like kind of number jockeying, like, um, like neural circuit or something that's just sort of wired into our brains. I think it's the thing. Did you listen to the NPR piece last weekend on this? No. It was okay. It was all about like reward and like being part of a group and all these like Fitbit type apps. I I think it comes from like the idea of like sort of stacking acorns for the winter or something but um which i do kind of working on that you know yeah yeah so it's it so i decided uh, about two years ago that i was going to try to turn my life into a video game (laughs) so what i did is i decided that there are particular activities for which i am rewarded so say reading a book or writing like essays, things like that. That's worth a certain value per hour. Mm. And then, yeah. So this is really nerdy. That's like the the disclaimer. Um, and then, and no, then things no. like meditation no and exercise, needed. going to bed on time or going to bed early. These are also worth, uh, you know, some like minute amount of money that I just kind of set aside for myself to like buy fun things oh, with. Oh, so you're directly linking yeah, behavior yes. with buying things. So if I sit around and I like dink around on Facebook all afternoon, I don't make any money. But if I, you know, go for a run and then do a little bit of, you know, light reading or maybe some studying, uh, cause nobody wants to do that. Um, mm. Then, uh, well, actually I love studying. But I hate starting to study, and so I delay it forever. Yeah. Uh, and this is a way to remind myself: oh, you should study because it makes you, you know, makes you uh, John Bucks. Um, right. And then you can buy f- cool things with your John Bucks. 
I, I mean, it's really like I, I just I need a little star chart, you know, and you get a gold star if you were good and like a silver star if you weren't quite as good. And maybe you get like a, you know, I think a little that would green just make star. me feel guilty. I'm trying to still buy something. It's just like it's just like, like uh, <laughs> study. Well, I actually did build that into it, too. Then I, I uh, so anything that I would buy, like for hobbies or stuff like that, then I would sort of charge to my account. And if I went into the red, then I had to pay interest on it. This is just, this sounds too ridiculous. Wow. I like spreadsheets. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this idea that, well, actually, have, we have a classmate who, like, on his test, if he did above a certain level, he would, like, buy himself a new pair of shoes or something. I would never then, get new shoes. <laughs> like, that's how that would go down. But, I would be wearing super old, torn, and ratty shoes. No, you would, so here's how you would do it, though. You would eventually. Just, just imagine Amy at the end of her, like, entire medical school trajectory exactly, of, like, exactly. eight years or whatever <laughs> like wandering around with like a like a waistband an elastic waistband from her underwear and that was it and and don't, like and an like, extension cord for never, a belt I she's never, got i never could buy new things she's got like a couple of like plastic bags and some duct tape around one foot <laughs> poor amy i actually but sure actually bad, a few months ago i was listening to npr i don't know what like you know, part of their show it was on, but there's actually like weight loss programs where they pay people to buy in. So like you send like a thousand dollars. It's like not a sig- insignificant amount of money. That's a double negative, but and yeah. then so people write. So you, know, you pay, address you, your feedback on her double negative. Yeah. Too. Um, you pay you pay into this um, this company or whatever, and if you lose the weight, you get to keep your money and you get like interest on it. But if you like gain weight or like don't lose the weight, you get basically give up your money. I've heard about this, and it's been extremely successful for people to lose weight. And they they interviewed a guy who lost like two hundred pounds. He's like, I've never been able to lose weight, and this is and there were days when I was like, I just want to eat something, and then my wife would be like, We have a thousand dollars on the line, and Whoa. then. But what happens like at the end? Like once you get your money back, you just Well, yeah, money that's again? the question. I mean, that's the question, isn't cuz that's totally what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, which is I guess the problem with weight loss in general, but you know. But it's, it's kind a, of interesting. It's a cool concept. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read the same thing, but we're like you you basically bet for yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's you place more a wager yeah. saying like, okay, if I don't lose this much weight by like some amount of time, then the house gets my money. So- so there was a there was a website actually that you could you could essentially buy insurance against your grades in college. So like you could put down and they would say different like for different institutions like what so if you went to Duke University and you maintained like a 4.0, you know, it would pay out 60 to 1 or something like that. And so you could you could basically pay in against that. So this also reminds me, and I, I'm the the name escapes me, but it's like a traditional thing that people would do is they'd get together, and everyone would pay in like twenty dollars, and it's kind of it's kind of a form of banking. Everyone would pay in twenty dollars, and then they would put everyone's name in the hat, and then they would draw out a name, and that week or that month, that person got everyone's money. And so then they take your name out of the hat until everyone's gone once. So you sort of like pay in for like randomly, you'll get like this big windfall. Because if you get like 15 people together, you know, you're just paying 20 bucks a month. But if you get, you know, what is it? 300 bucks or that's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of me really is just... <sighs> happy to be alive right now and all this like tedious like 
stuff yeah. is just extra. Mm. I, I guess that's kind of the bottom line too. I think when it comes to my life in medical school is like, I do have a lot of good intentions about like maintaining my personal health and like rewarding myself for doing things that are positive. But sometimes it's just a grind. And sometimes it's just like, you do what you gotta do mm. to get to the test. Keep on keeping on. Yeah, you just it's, it's just about stamina, you know? That's why I recommend uh, good old fashioned Bonsai. Crystal meth. I knew it. <laughs> Wait, I knew it. before we move on, yeah. I also want to say, um, I don't know if anyone else has tried this, but if you go on YouTube, YouTube is a gold mine, you can look up like footage of like a crackling campfire. And that actually weirdly is very relaxing and fire is very mesmerizing. And then on top of that, you can open in another window a video of <laughs> Someone rain, on meth. Thunder, oh. thunderstorms and play them both at the same time. <laughs> so it's like raining outside and you have a crackling fire. What if you actually have a fireplace? Well, then I would put the rain sounds on on the computer and light the real fire. <laughs> That's a little too uh, vintage for us to start our own you open fire. Up another window of a screaming goat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I prefer the, the fainting goat. The sacrifice, <laughs> and that's when we have our animal sacrifices, no. guys. It gets really, really dark wow. really quickly. Um, it did. It did or you get could use a, use a happy light, like I've been we, doing. We so sort of, we, I did this. I did this once in the team room, one of the team rooms where like the residents have this like big monitor that's supposed to be for like the patient list and i thought man that's super depressing well, there's nothing i want to see less than how much more work i would have to do mm. so and since that thing wasn't loading anyway they just had this big unused monitor plugged into the internet that can't be used for like you know sports or anything that like the people in the room would have wanted to watch so i put on the fireplace <laughs> and, and they loved it they're like who did that like five or six different people when they came in the room were like this is cool um have any of you guys been into the new ors for um all of the listeners uihc has some new ors they're very fancy oh. is that and like they're moved a bunch into the old pediatric space is that no they're just i don't know how they added them how the space worked okay. but Magical time warp um, offices. Yeah. They, they sacrifice some offices. Uh, I see. Um, they're very fancy. They're very nice. Um, but there are multiple TVs on the walls where they just put like very soothing pictures for the patient. And I looked up and I was like, it was like a field of lilacs with a mountain in the back. I was like, this makes me feel better too. Like, mm -hmm. this is for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Some people are so sick that you don't. You don't care if there's lilacs in the background. You're just like. I think I don't know. I think well, everyone can be like calm down you know reassured like yeah. well and but if it helps your provider then it's gonna help you right so that's a collateral benefit Fair and enough. i think that's I mean, the an person's argument. under anesthesia right so like how long are they gonna but be when they, when like they before like right before yeah. Yeah. well this is this might be a good <laughs> well that's just you maybe that's a diagnostic <laughs> speaking test speaking from experience this might be a good segue uh amy you had an interesting uh healthcare experience in the last few weeks yeah i had a, a trauma I was a trauma case at UIHC what do you at wanna, the beginning of August. I, I was wondering, uh, so first, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what happened, but mm -hmm. second, I wanted to know if you learned anything as a medical student from this. I mean, I gotta try to make, I gotta try to make lemons from I, this lemonade. I think you can. Wait, no. <laughs> I, I think you can become a I'm very learning. good physician without having to go through an yeah. orthopedic trauma. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was, uh, I was biking on a rural road and I hit gravel 
and lost control and went down into a ditch down a hill and uh, went over the front of my bike and slammed into a mailbox. Mm. I don't remember the incident because I was knocked out. Um, and helmets save lives. Mine cracked, uh, but kept my head from being cracked. But I broke a clavicle, scapula, and two ribs. And I was knocked unconscious and don't remember anything. Uh, I don't remember the ambulance ride or the accident. I remember seeing faces like looking down at me in, in the ER is my first memory. Mm. So you uh, had a concussion, right? Yeah, bad concussion, yeah. Uh, I've been there. I've had one of those. Those are awesome. <laughs> Were you in the hospital for a while? Um, I was in the hospital for two days, and then I got discharged and brought back for uh, surgery. On okay. like, so this happened on a Sunday. I was discharged on a Tuesday and then came back Thursday for, for surgery of my clavicle. So they let I you put, go home. Yeah. Which was which, did which you was did great. you ask to go home or were you were they like uh, no you know I don't know I was what? I was so out of it and then I had tons of narcotics and I was just like whatever mm. <laughs> well, yeah send me anywhere I'll go there <laughs> I think that's the thing that was kind of fascinating about the whole experience is that all the healthcare providers would come into the room and talk to me as if I was a competent person where I was just like the room was spinning and I was just like I don't know you guys need to make decisions and let me know what's gonna happen because mm. I'm out of it. Yeah, this happens, um, my wife has described situations where people are, you know, sort of in crisis for whatever reason. She's, so she's an audiologist, so sometimes she's present when people are told, you know, you're, you know, you have a tumor, for instance, that's making you lose your hearing or whatever. Or maybe they're even told, you know, your, your hearing's gone, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. it you know, that sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. That's not exactly right. But anyway, the point is that, you know, people are in crisis and a lot of information gets thrown at them. Mm -hmm. And they're asked to make decisions, maybe, and they're just not there. They're yeah. not able to make that decision because they're just stunned or, in your case, <laughs> yeah. mentally incapable. So they were like, you know, nine times out of ten, we don't repair clavicle fractures. And, you know, some of the risks are if we cut a nerve, then you could lose a significant amount of innervation in your body, blah, blah, blah. And so I go there, like... I assume that like I'm set up to do the surgery because they decided it was necessary. And then I'm in the pre-op before going into the OR and they're like, well, we know you've really thought about this and decided this is what you want to do. And I was like, wait a minute, you guys just need to decide what to do and tell me what you're going to do. Because <laughs> I am spinning right now. Oh my. And I didn't even care if like a med student was going to be in the OR. I wouldn't have cared if there were lilacs anywhere. <laughs> Like, it was just, it was like, it I was in so much pain. You wouldn't have been soothed? Maybe. No. no. And it's awful because, like, two weeks before I had been in the OR as a student, and I was thinking in my head, like, man, I never want to have a major surgery. I would, you know, I'd much better be oh, well, administering there you go, healthcare. Amy, that's why this happened. <laughs> and then I get carted in. Yeah, you got, Yeah. you messed with fate. And one of the things about being in the operating room is you realize, you know, doing all these things to prepare the patient for surgery after their anesthesia and positioning them and stuff like that. And you think, man, no wonder when you wake up from surgery, your entire body hurts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get put through the ringer. Don't you? Because they're like rolling you up on one side and in the case of orthopedics, like hammering into stuff mm -hmm. and drilling on things and like they've got like big metal fulcrums like prying things and you're like, whoa. It's true. No it's wonder like, your whole body hurts when you wake up. And the other this. like kind of dynamic of it that was hard for me was not. Well, I mean, now it makes me kind of aware when a person's impatient 
and they've had a serious injury, like how, like not with it, you could be cognitively. But uh, not only that, but also just like when I would get carted through the hospital um, to like for imaging or an x-ray or something like that, like people just walk by in the hallway and they see you. And because I'm a student here, like I know a lot of people. So like I'd run into like my attending and the fellow I'd worked with the week before and they're like, oh, hey, you know, and it's just like really awkward. and. <laughs> Not pleasant. Yeah. I think that's the weird thing too about getting care at like a place where you work, work essentially. It's yeah. like before I went to med school, I had I had a few like somewhat minor surgeries, and I had never like been the person who like worried about it before mm-hmm. I had like a surgery. But after being in surgery, I think I would like be more stressed out about it. Even though that you know the majority of the time people come out of it just fine and everything works out. It's just like you once you stand in an OR as like someone who's assisting, you realize there's like really no such thing as a minor surgery. Well, you know, and, like and the other thing is like. I've never been so out of control of myself before and that people had to tell me what happened to me was really scary. And I've never, you know, not been able to like, you know, walk across the room, but if when you're that dizzy, like need assistance and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, and just to not be in control of like what I was doing and what happens to me and things like that was just very unsettling. I guess like the silver lining is I'm more empathetic now to people who have had I don't know. <laughs> I kind of have a fear of, yeah. It still sucked. There, yeah. I kind of have a fear about that. I have a fear of being um, sedated because I know when I come out of sedation, I may or may not be in control of what I say. Uh, oh, I was not in control of what and, I was saying. And I'm just afraid I'm going to say something that's going to like... Well, Dave, I told you what I said in the ER when I first got there. I don't remember saying this, but my husband was there with me and... Somebody said something about orthopedics was coming in. And then I was like, oh, orthopods, they're the worst. Oh, they're so arrogant. I can't stand them. Keep them away from me. And my husband was just like, "Uh, they're your best friends now, Amy. (laughs) I think Sam was there for you. I think he did. And I, and I think he, he said the orthopedists were in the room, and I was like, "What did they say?" And he was like, "They were very tolerant." But yeah. <laughs> oh, they uh, they hear a lot worse. <laughs> I'm just afraid I'm going to end up on YouTube, like again, YouTube. I'm afraid I'm going to end up on YouTube is like in one of those videos where the kid is like, you know, sitting in the car, he's just gotten out of the dentist's office, and he's like, ah, you know, like parents who do that should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> Come on, so no, guys, guys, guys. Yeah, Dave knows where I'm coming from. You have children. This is a, it's a loving adversarial relationship. Mm. Yeah. So you're, so they're trying to punish their kids by putting embarrassing videos online? No, no, but, but it's, it's hard to escape the idea that you might be, that part of your job is to humiliate your children. Yeah, I don't know. There was a, there was a piece like in the last month that a woman, a woman wrote, she has a blog about her children and one of her sons, like eight or nine and was going through some prepubertal stuff. And she posted about it, and her father, this boy's grandfather, called her and was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and she realized that it went initially from, like, a blog for her to, like, kind of handle, like, postpartum depression type stuff and kind of find humor in the difficulties of parenting became this, like, exploitation of her children. And she also didn't know about their privacy and, like, how would they feel about the stuff she was writing about them when they became adults. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I see it. There's I see a woman as... actually right now suing her parents because of all the photos they put on Facebook when she was I a mean, kid. Awesome. I, I kind of agree, though. It's like, you 
don't nobody has the right to tell someone else's story even if it's you know like your child and i think you have to be really careful like if your child grows up to be a very private person like you don't want to hurt that that aspect of that i remember actually one time my great aunt when my grandma was like going to die she posted like uh sue is not doing well at all like, could we have prayers or something? Or she said something to the fact of like, um, you know, like she's really struggling or something. And to me, it was like a huge invasion of my family's privacy to post mm. something like that, that my grandma was like struggling to live. You know, I was like very upset about it. Someone mm. posted on Facebook uh, when my mother had passed away before we had told anybody and like some family friend had found out and posted about it and like tagged me and my siblings in it. I was super upset. That's so, yeah. it's so common too. It's, to, it's like they feel like it's it their information be. to share. And like I wanted exactly. to tell other people like myself or personally or, you know. Mm. Yeah. This is interesting. I'm definitely going to out myself as a weirdo here. So I think privacy is a really interesting area because people are very particular about their beliefs about privacy, but you really have very little to know privacy with the internet. You routinely give away your private personal information to, you know, corporations, probably without your real realization that almost anything about you that you say or do in any digital media is somewhere between trivially discoverable and findable with, yeah. with enough work. Right. So it's interesting. And I think this has evolved a lot, too, just in the last 20 or 30 years, like what pushing the envelope on privacy looks like. But like my sister, she's 17, like her ideas of what should or shouldn't be shared over things like Facebook, like I can imagine like almost her entire friend group giving a damn that their parents post pictures of them from their childhood. Yeah. I, I on mean, on Facebook and things like that. So it's it's interesting to see there's already, you know, here I am among you know, this, the next generation of physicians and every single person around me is espousing beliefs that like, you know, that this is, these are huge invasions of privacy and things like that. And I, I will always give the benefit of the doubt to the other person in the sense that like, I'm not going to share private patient information, but my personal patient information, I don't give a damn if you share it, you know, and I've, but I've said that to everyone. But the difference is that a child with. can't consent to what you're doing. A I, child can't consent to their birth. Right. So like the, the greatest choice that you had into who you are in your life, you had absolutely no choice over. Sure. You, you, you didn't make the choice to be born. You know, so that's the thing that blows my mind about a lot of the narrative in our country, like people like Donald Trump. You know, I'm a self-made man. The most important part of who you are today, you had absolutely no choice over. You know, that you were born at this particular time in history to these particular parents you had no choice over. And so for you to make this argument that, you know, that it's all you or that, you know, other subsequent details to that are are based on autonomy or choice seems just sort of beside the point. Like we ought to be mm -hmm. focusing on more important ethical things. Like what do we do with it? Or why do we care about it in the first place? I don't know. I worry there's just going to be this like Facebook generation of like, 
youth seeking therapy like in like 10 or 15 years there's just gonna be all these kids these people going to therapy be like my mom ruined my life on facebook when i was a kid it I, uh, means that you can't this, move on from who you were before and you can't move forward because I you're held back I think, by i i don't think i think this is an illusion of truth though because yes everything is saved on the internet but there's so much information. You are the only person probably hung up on it. No, I don't like, agree. I mean, but I, I'll tell you why. It's because if one day your kid decides he wants to be an activist and he wants to conceal his information, the government can then go into his records and construct a pretty accurate psychological profile and then bring him down because he's challenging the, or run for office. That's I would uh, never. I could, could never done, run for politics. I feel like people would just find too much stuff. But this this yeah. could be done. Regardless, I mean, so so what you're saying is basically don't participate in technology at all because that's that the only alternative. I mean, I know there, people who don't have have yeah. never had a Facebook account and aren't aren't going to. This like argument kind of poses an interesting question about like in the age of the internet and Google, like are we allowed to like leave our past behind? All of that, but I don't know. I just don't think it's nice for a parent to like expose your, sh like, I think it's a breach of trust. Your most embarrassing moment, like you should be able to be the one to decide whether you disclose that to people or not. Like, it's just a not a nice thing to do. I think we need to like consider that a little bit more when we're, you know, talk like let's be nice to each other and like, let's let Billy decide if he's gonna expose his most embarrassing moment. And like, yeah. let's let him move on from his past. And the parents were afforded that opportunity to not have their most embarrassing moments exposed on the internet and maybe they only want to tell their wife or their husband about a certain thing that happened in their past or they only want to tell certain people but i have kind of an, an extreme point of view about that i don't even like sometimes coming on the show and like talking about my very intimate opinions about things and so it's harder for me to be this open and i i definitely get so so this is my like sort of 30,000 foot altitude of, of viewing it like the thing about privacy is that all things being equal if everyone knew everything about everyone then there are no problems right no one can hold any of this against you and a large amount of embarrassment has to do with the fact that you're afraid of that exposure you're afraid of being called out you're afraid of basically it's sort of a group dynamic thing. But if everyone's everything is being shared all the time, then the power of that sort of evaporates. The danger comes in exactly where Aline said, like when some government or someone who has significantly more power than people has the ability to take that information, to take your private whatevers, and use them against you. And I, I think that's an absolutely real concern. Like now is, you know, my showing a video of my son like dancing around with, a, you know, a diaper on his head on Facebook going to contribute to that in any way? I like to think not, but you know, is that something that an 18-year-old version of him will look at me and roll his eyes about? Maybe, but is that something that an 18-year-old version of him is going to scour the internet to find? Maybe not. Now might not be a good time to uh, mention that I uh, haven't heard just about anything you've said because I was uh, visiting my children's blog that I actually did have uh, when they were young. <laughs> and and uh, most of it was just like me basically making fun of myself yeah. <laughs> as a parent. And, uh, and like all your parental failures, uh, more more like uh, making fun of how little I knew you. about what the 
hell I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, um, my kids actually know about this blog. They're a little too young to have formed the idea that uh, this was a terrible that this might have been a terrible idea. But at the same time, they they enjoy it. Yeah, I think this is good. I think what we've kind of learned in this podcast is that. Anything you need to cope through medical school, you can find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Anything you be wary of social media. Anything you want to know about Dave's children yeah. from the time that they were like is it available know, on a blog? Zero to ten. <laughs> and I would like to say a thank you to the UIHC ER staff, trauma team, and orthopedics team, and neuropsych for helping me yeah. get back to uh, fully functioning and being back uh, at the U. They took good care of me. You're only. Slightly less asymmetrical than <laughs> I am a little when I saw you months ago. So that's they but, did a they yeah, did a they, they did, did a wonderful a good, job a good job. Yeah. So like um, Sli- slightly less asymmetrical, Wait. Sli- slightly more asymmetrical, more asymmetrical, slightly more asymmetrical, um, or unless bigger. you're saying slightly less asymmetrical than when you saw her a few you know weeks what I'm ago, talking about. but still uh, asymmetrical. I, I'm you know They've I've got a big old you. scar. And you're now you're now the bionic perf- woman. Yeah, I am. Perfected. It's you. pretty rad. Every time I have an organ removed, I like to just say that I'm. Being streamlined to perfection. <laughs> yeah. How I, often do you get organs removed? <laughs> Just a couple times. Just every other week or so. <laughs> hey guys, I'm, I don't have any hair or toenails. Yeah. So that's, I'm one step closer to perfection too. That's right. As we've said before, you're evolving. Trimming away the inessential, shall we say. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. What that's a waste right. of precious calories. <laughs> Growing hair. <laughs> And, uh, and toenails. Yeah, I mean, that's mostly protein, guys. Right. I think I could be using that protein better in other places. That's right. Well, uh, listen, we're uh, just about done with our show today. Thank you so much, uh, you guys, for uh, opening yourselves up to the world on the internet where it can be found forever. <laughs> the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government and in the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our editor and engineer is Aline Sanduk. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by AgriFox. Talk to you.